0: The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase podcast. Give me your biggest predictions for the club this year, or even NHL predictions that you might have. Just something wild or crazy or whatever.
1: Oh, oh, how spicy do you want?
0: Whatever you got. Oh, all right.
1: So, we'll start with a little bit spicy and then we'll go with extreme spicy.
0: Mark Scheig, first off, how is your Sunday going so far?
1: Well, just started. <laughs> I yeah. did, actually had to take my wife to work, so just kind of found some time to do this sitting here and you know getting ready for football and getting ready for. Obviously, the hockey, you know, I'll be in Buffalo tomorrow night covering the game. So it's we're starting to get a little bit of clarity day by day here to see what this roster will finally look like.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I want to kind of go back a little bit. So your journey to being a hockey journalist, you write for the hockey writers, you cover the Erie. the columbus blue jackets cleveland monsters you recently got verified on twitter so how did you get here how did all of this come to be
1: that's it's it's a great question will because if a lot of people really don't know the story of my beginning and when you hear it you're like wait what and so kind of get get to it here back several years ago so this would have been maybe what 2013 like eight years ago I was just literally sitting in my apartment one day, and I was just writing just on my own, kind of journal-like about different, you know, hockey games and stuff. Big hockey fan, just doing it for fun. And then all of a sudden, one day, I see that the hockey writers at that point was looking for writers. and like, okay, this sounds kind of interesting. I apply. You know, send me a couple of your writing samples. Okay. Send it over to them. They like it. So they bring me on to, you know, kind of just as a trial to start to, you know, see if things would ultimately work out. Wrote a cup my first article, I believe, was back when Sonny Milano was first at Blue Jackets camp. So it would have been the after the 2014 draft. And at that time, I was looking to cover the Blue Jackets from Erie, Pennsylvania. So I'm like, okay. Let me contact the Otters because Milano's in the OHL. He'll go through there a couple of times. I'd like to be able to see him live, stuff like that. So I get a hold of Aaron Cooney, who at that point was the play-by-play guy for the Otters, and asked him, hey, can I possibly get in for a couple games? Not only does Aaron say yes to the couple of games, he hands me a full-season credential with the Erie Otters. So all of a sudden, it goes from thinking, okay, uh, we're going to just cover... Milano, a couple times to wow, I'm now looking at covering the Erie Otters. Now, Will, there may be a guy that you have heard of on the Erie Otters in 2014 and 15 by the name of Connor McDavid. Oh, of course, right? yeah. So wow. that's his draft year on the Erie Otters that I'm going into. My first ever interview with the Hockey Writers was with Connor McDavid wow. in the preseason. So we're going from writing for fun to now all of a sudden here's Connor mcdavid and i am as nervous as you could possibly be he knew it i knew it everybody knew it but the cool part was it showed who mcdavid really was because he was very willing very helpful over the course of the year got to know him inter- obviously interviewed a bunch of times and by the time that the season was done I remember we were at the Combine in Buffalo before him, and this was the Marner Draft, Dylan Strome, Jack Eichel in 2015. They all were at the Combine, and they had a bunch of media, like your TSNs of the world, your SportsNets of the world, and McDavid was surrounded by probably about 60 media in a small area in Buffalo. He comes out of the media circle. Dylan Strom is coming in. They're teammates on the otters. McDavid actually sees me in the crowd, actually stops and says, oh, hey, Mark, how are you doing? How are things in Erie? Nice. Now, think about that for yeah. a minute. You're talking about all the bigwig sports giants up there, and he stops and says hi to me. That goes to show you about the power of developing a personal relationship and, you know— it was it was just absolutely wonderful. And then at the same time, while all that was going on, still covering the Columbus Blue Jackets. So that's how I started covering the Otters and then slowly getting integrated into the Columbus Blue Jackets. So then grind away for several years, you know, add the Cleveland Monsters to the mix. They go and win the Calder Cup in 2016. So it was able to be live when Bjorkstrand scored that overtime winner um, and be on the ice with Jared Bednar and the team celebrating with them. Just another incredible moment. But then finally, Twitter decided to f- change the verification rules once and for all because I see a bunch of people were getting verified or were verified probably because of where they were working or the job that they were doing, and they finally said, "Okay, independent media, as long as you can prove yourself in a f- couple of different ways, you're now eligible as well." And then so finally, you know, a few months ago, I tried just to see if it worked, and lo and behold. Blue check mark finally showed up.
0: Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, not that the blue check mark defines you as a journalist, but it only helps further validate all the awesome success and all the work that you have done to this point. So it's great to see that. And uh, yeah, that's awesome. I didn't even know that that, that story, obviously about Connor McDavid. So, uh, have you talked to him? I guess in the year, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to, but have you uh, talked with McDavid, for instance, in the years since then at all? Or have you had, have you even had the chance to?
1: Not really. No, I actually, when the Oilers go through Columbus, that would be the one time I might see him in the room and stuff like that. But I haven't actually been in Columbus when the Oilers have been in there. But one, I did see him once. He actually came back to Erie during the Otters championship season. This is when Alex Dobrynkit and Dylan Strom helped lead the Otters to a championship. He came back. I think the Oilers were already done. He came back to Erie. He had a private suite. A bunch of people were up there. We wanted to interview him and he actually said through, um, somebody up there, he wasn't going to do that, but he did show up in the post game press conference room after the fact he came in and actually said hi nice. to us. That's cool. So that was the one time that I've seen him since, um, so, yeah, no, I haven't really seen him all that often. You know, don't cover the Oilers. So it's just, you know, if I see him in passing, it'll be, hey, how are you? You know, how's life in here? I was you Nope. Know, I knew of his family a little bit, especially his dad. You know, Brian was a lot, um, came up a lot during his draft year. So it would just be little things like that.
0: That's still pretty cool, though, that you've been able to do that and kind of develop that personal relationship with him, like you were saying. So it's pretty cool. Not many people yeah. can say that. <laughs>
1: And it goes beyond that, too, Will. It's like um, part of the reason that, you know, our site is actively involved in the OHL is because these kids actually get to see us do our craft in person. So we're talking... 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, up to 20-year-olds. And a lot of those teams are constantly looking for coverage because they don't get the same attention that the NHL gets. But there's still a lot of really good stories. And so the same thing goes with Dylan Strom. The same thing goes with Alex Debrinket, um, both on the Chicago Blackhawks right now. In fact, give you a quick story. Last year, during the pandemic, the Blackhawks obviously played the Blue Jackets being in the same division. They were on their morning skate in Columbus. I was in the crowd actually by myself. There was nobody around. Had my mask on. I was watching the Blackhawks morning skate. Strom looks up in the crowd all of a sudden, recognizes it's me from a distance. He actually stops and waves at me, <laughs> yells over to Debrinket and says, hey, Mark's here. He waves too. I wave back at them. Again, the whole awesome. personal relationship thing. Covering, I covered all of DeBrinket's 50 goal seasons in Erie, actually had a vote where he ended up winning the um, MVP of the OHL the year that they won. And so seeing them every day, being able to develop that relationship, and that's what I tell everybody. No matter what you're doing, whether it's NHL players or anything that you're doing, the greatest thing you can have is developing personal relationships. That gets you everywhere. Right? Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: That's- yeah, I'm glad you touched on that. That's been going through my mind for sure, especially with these podcasts, because it's not mm-hmm. just, oh, I want to talk to so and So it's like, I want to hear their story. And it's cool to talk with them and uh, try to make, you know, to get that kind of connection. So I really, it's cool that you mentioned that. But uh, mm. so, and you're in, you live in Erie, Pennsylvania, right?
1: Just outside of them, actually 10 miles away from the Ohio border.
0: Okay, I was curious, I guess, how long that drive was to, say, Columbus, Cleveland. But it seems like you're kind of in that hot spot. You know, you're kind of, I guess, close enough to all these these key hockey uh, spots that you're covering.
1: So, so perspective, it's an at one hour, 20 minutes to Cleveland. So with the Monsters, I'll be at the Monsters home opener on the 15th. There should be some interesting players there. Um, they'll cover that. And then to get down to Columbus, it's a little more than three hours. So if I catch the traffic and don't stop, it's three hours and 10 minutes. So I can leave Erie at like 5 o'clock, 5.30 in the morning, and I'm down to Columbus before 9 o'clock within plenty of time to do you know cover whatever I need to do if it's a morning skate or something.
0: I don't know if you've covered a ton of Blue Jackets games. I guess cuz well actually yeah, do you do you cover so when you if you're in uh town for a Blue Jackets game, are you heading back to Erie that night or like the next day? It's usually
1: the next day. And it actually it's a good question. It depends on the individual situation. Is there a game the next day? Is there a game in Cleveland? Cuz what I'll sometimes do, I actually did 3 games in 3 nights in 3 different cities. So the way that it worked out was I did a Friday night game in Columbus. I did a Saturday night game in Cleveland, and then I did a Sunday afternoon game in Erie. So it's all across the three different leagues. So what I would do on that Friday, I would get down there, do everything normally, cover the game. I normally stay in Columbus that night, get up early the next morning, do the drive, in this case it was up to Cleveland, and cover that game later that night. And after Cleveland is done, it's only an hour and 20 minutes away. I just drive home from Cleveland and be there on Sunday for Erie. But it really does depend. I Normally, you're going to see me stay in Columbus that night, though.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I was, I was just thinking about the logistics of all that. So that's really cool, though, that uh, it, it works out as well as it does for you. And yep. so looking ahead to this upcoming hockey season, I know this is a, is a silly question, but how excited are you for the season ahead?
1: I'm always excited, and, and that just goes to being able to cover the game because no matter what is going on, Will, whether it's winning, whether it's losing, whether it's something in between, there's always a story. It's the Columbus Blue Jackets we're talking about. Yeah, Look at the last few years. I mean, whether you want to call it drama, whether you want to just call it different storylines, there is always something going on, and that's not going to change, and it's only going to accelerate when these um, exciting prospects get up here. But this year, it's a transition year. How are these new players going to do new roles? Who, which of these young players are, you know, Liam Foodie, Emil Bemstrom, Alex Texier? Who's finally going to step up into the role that the team has believed in for the longest time? It's, it's an important season for a lot of those players. And then trying to transition, knowing is going to be on his way, knowing Kent Johnson's eventually going to be on his way. So some guys had better feel some pressure because th- they might have a spot this year. But you know full well that this coaching staff and this team is not afraid to make a bold move if, you know, I'll, I'll maybe allow somebody else to play if someone else is not earning their spot.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, too, when you were talking about whether you want to call it drama or whatever, it just brought up a, a, an impromptu question, not not from a mm-hmm. drama perspective, but it just made me think of it. Uh, yeah. Do you have, I'm sure you do, do you have, like, a, a good or funny story and I was thinking about Torts because obviously you probably got <laughs> to interact with Torts pretty often, right? So oh, was, a lot. He
1: knows me very well, and I know him decent for covering, covering him yeah. since he started there.
0: So um, I, I was a fan of Tortorella's overall tenure. I know that there's always those that don't like this or that, and it wasn't always perfect. Nothing is, but obviously I can look at the bigger picture and say, okay, he took this franchise from here and got them to get it to here. And so um, looking back, Obviously, a lot of good things happened, but yeah. What what maybe uh, when I say Twitterella, John Twitterella, what kind of goes through your mind, or even if it was just like a funny, I don't know, story or? It, I'll give yeah. you a couple.
1: I'll give you a couple funny stories, and then I'll give you the biggest misconception about or misperception about Torts. So, couple funny stories. So back near the beginning of covering him, so ten. So you remember the ten nothing blowout that the blue jackets had over montreal yep at, at nationwide it was a friday night everybody was loving life things were really good they just embarrassed one of the um thoroughbreds in the nhl right do you think i was at that game do you really think that
0: i was actually probably not that game you probably were not
1: well i was not at that game no in fact <laughs> I, I was actually on interstate 70 in like Indiana, Illinois because I was covering their road game the next night in St. Louis. Oh, yeah. So I actually got to listen to that entire game on the radio on my way down to St. Louis. And I, of, co- of course, of all the times that I picked the road game to go to, they go and do 10-0 at home. Okay, that's awesome. Thanks, guys. So the next day gets there, and um, they play the Blues, actually an overtime game. Um, I think it ended up 2-1. to one. McElhaney started that game. Um, Blues end up winning in overtime. And so Torts comes down, you know, a little bit of an ornery mood after the fact. And one of the, so I got the last question because this is back when, you know, Brandon Saad was, you know, kind of up and down and stuff like that. And I kind of said, okay, so based on this performance, do you feel like that some lineup changes could be coming? And he doesn't like that question during post game like that. Right. right so right. he's like, I'm not going to talk about that shit. And he walks out. Right. So this is the first time being able to experience kind of somewhat full blown towards in, in, in the moment, but ultimately, you know, yeah, it's just kind of who he is. Sometimes yeah. he's in a really good mood. Sometimes he's not, but still I'll never forget being on the road after 10, nothing, and then seeing the next day, having the, my first little mini torts blow up. <laughs> That'll always stick with me. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. So moving forward now, so to this season, right? So this past season, so when they had that meltdown in Detroit, mm-hmm. um, where they were, some people thought maybe they could get back in the race and then Calvin Pickard just shut the door on them. So it was a two to one game. They ended up losing four to one. Blue Jackets got their ass kicked that night. And that day. And on the Zoom call, I asked Torrets, you know, two to one game. Hey, you know, there was a goalie interference call that they challenged on Detroit's two to one goal. I asked him, do you, what do you think? You know, did that kind of spring any momentum or stop any momentum you had? And he's like, You're really asking me about goaltender interference after we had this shit kicked out of us and he made a scene on that zoom call oh my god! And like, well and i kind of even retorted back a little bit it's a two to one game and then yeah. he kind of gave it half-hearted well i felt like doing it etc now let's talk about the misconception Torts, because mm-hmm. he is somebody that genuinely cares he doesn't care very much about post-game media he's the first to admit it So the next day on the Zoom, so this would have been for, I believe, a practice day. Um, Before he gets going, he actually says, is Mark on the call? I'm like, I'm right here. He's like, I just want to apologize to you for what happened. Dude, we're all good here. We we skated out right there. It took like 10 seconds. And he allowed me to ask the first question. Nice. And so that's the thing that I think fans don't get. They see all the YouTube, they see all the blow ups, they see all that sort of stuff. He actually genuinely cares very deeply about his players, about the team he coaches, and all and people in general. And that's the side that a lot of people don't actually get to see. When when you're away from the camera and you get to know him, he is actually a teddy bear. And that's the thing that people are like, Oh my, really? You mean this explosive Yeah. He's actually, he's like that. I've actually seen it before off camera when he's talking to people, he's smiling, he's joking. He's just genuinely having a good time. He just loves hockey so, so much. And even at times on camera, when you catch him in the right moment, he can be one of the most insightful coaches out there. So not only has he been the greatest coach the blue jackets have had to this point, Although he had his moments and he kind of wore his welcome out, he he knew it was time to move on. Mm-hmm. But in the middle, though, all the players just respected oh, him. Yeah. They still keep in contact with him. So, although there were some moments of, okay, you know, what's going on here? Nothing but good things from my point of view covering
0: Torts. And that's exactly what I expected. I, I knew, I mean, without actually knowing Tortorella personally, obviously, mm-hmm. I always. I'm quick to defend to those that say, oh, this explosive guy. And I'm thinking, I know that deep down it looks like this, but I know that there is that respect factor. And, uh, you know, when I was talking about John Forslund recently, he was quick to talk about just, uh, he said this was the best playoffs I've seen him seen anybody coach talking about that 2019 against the uh, Tampa Bay and just talking oh, yeah. up Tortorella. But uh, I'm never surprised when I hear like, you know, he's a big teddy bear, this and that. Cause I've heard that perspective quite a bit. So, and I think he'll be great. I know he did some TV briefly in the past. I think he'll be great with ESPN. I'm looking forward oh, to that. Be fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Cause he's so
1: insightful. And when yeah. you get him in a situation like that, I do think he's actually mellowed out some. And so you're gonna really get some great insight in into him during the games. And I, I think that if you really pay close attention enough, everybody will learn something from the man. He is insanely smart. He doesn't always get the results, but he knows what he's doing. He he sticks to his guns, he believes in a certain way, and yeah, he is a great storyteller. So that's going to be a lot that'll almost be must see TV when he does
0: appear. Did you ever question his deployment of players or lineup utilization or did you always think he has a method to his madness even if we don't always see it
1: oh both yeah, uh, yeah. i question a lot of the stuff that he did to myself all the time like is you crazy but he's a coach we don't coach exactly so yeah. there's obviously a method to his madness and right. whether we agree with it or not and sometimes he even says you know he even does it to a fault he goes with his gut. If he's, you know, he lets the players decide who goes on the ice. And it doesn't matter if you're a first-line player. It doesn't matter if you're a fourth-line player. If you are not performing two standards, you are going to sit down, you know, take a look at the way he handled Patrick Laine a couple of times and some, uh, some other players. It, it really didn't matter who it was to him. And there's a couple of obvious patterns with him if you're a veteran, you're going to get a little bit more leeway. If you're a young player and you constantly make mistakes, you probably found yourself in the bench. And that's why I wonder if players like foodie and Bemstrom might have a little bit of a, you know, kind of coming out party a little bit more under Larson, you know, that's, that remains to be seen, you know, and he says, don't play scared. And I, I think some players maybe who aren't used to his style probably play a little bit scared under him and like oh my god if i make a mistake i'm on the bench so they're holding their stick a little tighter and stuff like that so but if you're a veteran yeah, he'd ride you like if you're boone jenner if you're nick folino um if you're cam atkinson as long as you were doing what you were supposed to do you were playing heavy heavy minutes and then everybody else you know not so much um He wants you to block shots. He wants you to be physical. He wants you to be good on both sides of the puck. He's always been like that. And some people respond to it well. Others, not so much. Those that don't, that's where you kind of see the conflict.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I'll say it's also apropos that you were driving during that to nothing game because everything always happens when you're driving something big.
1: Oh, my God. Can we talk about that? Like literally
0: every time.
1: (laughs) This started – at the at the draft when they traded for Panarin. Okay, this was in Chicago, so it was appropriate the sod for Panarin deal happened while I was on Interstate 90 in Chicago on the way to the United Center. I'm I'm literally in the driver's seat with a couple writers with me, and this trade happens like you've got to be kidding me. And it's and it's rush hour and it's gridlock traffic. Yeah. It's like and then I've been grocery shopping. I've been out driving and, and, and the year otters are even now in the fun. So hmm. it doesn't matter what team it is. It seems like that if I'm out there and it's like trade deadline season yep. or you know things like that, I, I'll just tweet, Hey, I'm driving and people, yep. it, it, it's great. It, it's got a little bit of a life on its own and I'll just, I'll let it ride because it's just it's fun to be able to have, interact with fans like that.
0: It is fun, yeah. It's it's the one thing I I always think of now. Or when you mentioned that, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. You, you would be driving when that would happen. So I'll, I'll take credit for the uh, not the Panarin trade, but I I had a weird feeling going into that offseason that Brandon Saad might go. I had no mm-hmm. obviously no inside anything, but. I was just thinking about the the uh, dynamic between him and Torrance, and sure enough, he got traded. And I was like, "Holy crap! I almost called that."
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. No, that's it means you're paying attention. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It was really, really interesting, and obviously, we know the rest of what happened there with Panarin, but uh, it was oh, definitely yeah, an interesting man. time.
1: Can, and that's that's let's talk about that for a minute since you know, everything that happened, that whole narrative about people wanting to go out of Columbus, Panarin just wanted the big city. It's not he had nothing against Columbus, right? I understand, you know, Dubois obviously requested a trade and others have decided that they wanted to move on. I think we're starting to get a little bit of a change. You know, Zach Wierenski yep. signed the big contract. Boone Jenner reiterated his love. So those that have been there, yeah. don't, you know, Cam Atkinson always said, don't diss Columbus until you've been there. And I think a lot of people, when they first get there, like, wait a minute, this this is pretty good. Yeah. And, and now being down there back and forth for eight years, I, I hope that there's an opportunity in the future to be able to permanently move down to Columbus because I would be on the first car out. That is a booming place. It's top 10 in terms of people moving in. There's plenty of things to do. So it's not it's not going to compete with Chicago, New York, or Los Angeles. Those are the obviously the big stuff. But if you like the city living, but you don't want the hustle and bustle of those three cities, you're doing pretty good. And a lot of players have said it's also a great place to raise a family. So if you're kind of looking to settle down, a lot of good things in Columbus there, too.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm in Richmond, Virginia, so... It feels yeah. similar to Columbus when I lived. I mean, it's been a while since I've been to Columbus, but I always think of Richmond as kind of—it's not a big city, but it's not tiny. You know, it's kind of like a right. little big. You yeah. uh, know, it feels like. Colum- I mean, from what I remember of Columbus, it kind of feels the same. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so we'll yeah. get to we'll get to the current fun stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, I guess I led this question off with what do you think about the Blue Jackets off season? But I'll say that, you know. Going back to when they hired Brad Larson to the Seth Jones trade, like I'm excited, but I maybe wasn't as excited or optimistic of the future of this team going back to the beginning of, of the offseason because I'm thinking Brad Larson, like we saw what happened uh with the power play. And I know that's like one element of everything that Larson yep. has done or provides for the team. But now I'm pretty optimistic based on the draft, the Jones trade, and what they got back. And even Larson himself, I want to see what he can do with this team. And I get that there might be tough things on the ice this year. But looking down the road and hopefully seeing small gains in development, I'm excited Mm -hmm. for what's ahead.
1: Yeah, and I think Blue Jackets fans should be because that offseason started, like you said, uncertainty. Where is this going to go? What's going to happen? JD wasn't back yet. And, you know, obviously they announced that later. And I think a lot of Blue Jackets fans welcome that move with open arms because of what he was able to do before in his first tenure before he left for the New York Rangers. He built them up. They made the playoffs. They had that huge winning streak, 108-point season, but unfortunately another first-round exit. Just it does make you wonder, had they found a way to beat Boston the year after they swept Tampa? We'd be talking about a Columbus championship. It just makes you wonder, you know, because they would have played Carolina, and then eventually they would have played the Blues, and I think they could have very easily done okay in either of those series, but we'll never know. But they were in a position where, you know, finally, it just it just didn't work out. Things if were aligning, though, to yeah. A, yeah, they wanted to win a championship, and they could never get over that hump. And once the Toronto bubble ended, um. And they tried one more time and just this year didn't work out. And so they had to make a tough decision. You know, see you, Cam Atkinson, see you, Nick Felino, see you, David Savard. We're talking about the mainstays of this team. Well, it was, it, it was just time. You know, yeah, th- this crew had their shot and now there's going to be a transition. And I think a lot of people are wondering, oh, how tough is this year going to be? So th- two parts, one, I think, especially in the beginning, I think they know that a lot of people are looking down on them, primarily because of how tough the Metropolitan Division is. So they expect there to be a lot of growing pains. That's to be expected, but at the same time, there's still some motivated players there. Elvis is looking to prove that he's a number one. Warensky is now number one without Seth Jones. We got new defensemen and Boquist and Peak that are looking to make an uh, Boquist and Bean, excuse me, that are looking to make an impact. So players are there to prove themselves. They're it's going to be a fun team at least because you know Boquist has some very interesting upside. I'm interested to see what Bean does in an expanded role. Power play should be better when you have Voracek, the playmaker, when you have Boquist who can distribute the puck, and you you have finishers. I mean. Look at the wingers are good. I mean, you look at you got Patrick Liney, you got Voracek, you got Nyquist, you got Bjorkstrand. That's a pretty good set of wingers. But here's the problem. Well, and and a question even for you. Yeah. Look at the Metropolitan Division. Is there any team's centers that you would rather not have than Columbus's? Oh no. I mean that's that's been the question for. That's
0: been the bugaboo.
1: Yeah. Right. (laughs) So yeah. it, and even the Penguins and the Capitals who are older, yeah. they're still Crosby and Malkin.
0: I mean, it's hard to beat. They're they're still, Nickros,
1: Backstrom.
0: Malkin you will know, miss some time, but yeah, no, you're right, exactly.
1: Um, and but even the Devils, they got Hishir and Jack Hughes, and yeah. Jack Hughes is going to be a star in this league. Yep. And you've got the the Rangers, the band, I'd rather have Zabanajat. I'd rather have. I think they have Lafreniere on the wing right now, but um. I'd still rather have that situation. I think every situation in the Metro, center wise, I'd rather have them than the Blue Jackets. And that's where I think Ghost could still be coming at a premium for them. You know, we're depending right now on Jack Roslovic making the next step, with Alex Texier making the next step. So these are guys that are learning how to be a center. And we don't even know if they're meant to be a center or a winger. Right. Max Domi is still injured. He might be ahead of schedule. We'll see if he gets, comes back sooner rather than later, see if they put him at center. But that's the point, though. They don't have that difference-making center. So the question now is what makes a successful year? And in my mind, it's actually okay to be a lottery team this year. Oh, and I yeah. know you're not advocating losing. right? right? They're not going to go out and intentionally tank games. They're going to give everything that they got. But that only goes so far, especially when you have a tough division and you have shortcomings. Ultimately, there needs to be concrete development by all the young players. So you're talking your Bumstroms, your foodies, you know, everybody that comes in. There needs to be tangible development where they are better at the end of the season than they are at the beginning. And then maybe a little bit of luck if they can get into Shane right next year. So if you could just imagine for a second, right? If the Blue Jackets have an awful year. Now, they're not going to be the worst team in the year, in the league. Buffalo and Arizona are going to fight tooth and nail to be the worst team in the league this year. They, the way that they made their moves, they're in a class of their own. But the Blue Jackets, I think, are sort of in that next tier where you know, they're, they're going to have some excitement. They're going to win some games. But ultimately, unless they somehow make up the deficit at center in other methods like Merzlikens becomes Vesna caliber, the defense does so much better than we anticipate, I expect this to be a very long year, and if they could luck into the number one pick next year, so now all of a sudden you're talking about having a potential line of any combination of Line A, Shane Wright, Chinenkov. I mean, you, Shane Wright is a bonafide number one center, will be a difference-making player in the National Hockey League. In fact, he started out his career in the OHL. At a higher pace, points-wise than Connor McDavid did. He was an exceptional player. He they, they granted him age 15, which is very unusual. Only a couple players like Stamkos, Tavares, McDavid have have had that exceptional status granted to them. So, if the Blue Jackets can land him somehow, then you start to t- think about, okay, what do we got here? So, but for this season, let's see the development and maybe get a little bit lucky later, but no matter what, they're going to still get the best available player in the draft no matter what. It should be a very high pick, and don't forget they own Chicago's pick next year too, so they've got two so far.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Going back to Elvis for a second, yeah. were you surprised by the extension or maybe more so the timing of it, and do you think that kind of gives Solo that extra chip on his shoulder motivation for this season alone? It better yeah, <laughs> for yeah.
1: Corposalo. It better give it to him because yeah. he's in a contract year and he's yeah. playing for his future. Mm-hmm. He has to have the right attitude. And that's certainly he's already come out and said, I'm going to be myself. I'm not going to let effect Well, he's got to prove it now. Can right, he yeah. do it knowing that Elvis was the guy? And it doesn't surprise me. Well, I mean, you take a look at the way that they performed, especially last year. Merz was the better goaltender. Yeah. Corposalo had a down year. But that doesn't mean Corpus Hall is an awful goalie. He's still an all-star. You put him in the right team, he's still a really good goaltender. So they have two. And if they're both in the right place mentally and are able to focus, that could be a strength for them. But it'll depend on the defense in front of them and a bunch of other factors. So I'm not surprised that it ultimately happened. The timing of it, I'm really not surprised. They had to make a decision. They had to say, you know, we're not going to let both guys get the UFA down the line one of them had to be signed and clearly they saw you know that Merzlekens would be a nice fit here the fans are going to love him he's got a personality and i've always long advocated the blue jackets need players like that that fans can gravitate to and if he can get on a roll like he can put some nice performances together remember i think it was three consecutive shutouts back a little back a couple seasons ago when he first came out including the one in Vegas. Oh, I yeah, a lot that's of people right, say, right. yeah, yeah. He, the, there's upside there. And if yeah. he could figure it out and they put a good team in front of him, you now pieces are in place. It's just getting to that point. And it's just make sure that the expectations are tempered. You're not going to go in thinking that they're going to win the cup this year. Could they make the playoffs? Well, if a lot of things go right. Um, I mean, it's a lot of ifs, But if they have the absolute perfect season, maybe they can compete for that. But, you know, I think they need to go with the expect very little. So if they impress beyond that, you can be happy. But if they don't make it, you're already expecting low expectations anyway. Where people get in trouble is if they expect too much and they fall flat. Then it feels much different. So put your expectations in the right spot. Know that there's going to be a lot of learning and development, but realize that they're addressing the future especially down the middle that's where it's going to because st- they believe kent johnson's going to be a center we already know cole cylinder they're looking at as a center he's already been given a great chance at camp this year because he's been impressive so it's coming it's just um be prepared to endure a little bit of stuff this
0: year oh yeah for sure that's why i say like i'm excited mainly for the, the future not necessarily just this season alone but yeah i think corpus allo mm-hmm. I mean, maybe his time in Columbus will end in terms of where he might end up going somewhere in the future, but I think he could definitely bring a lot for whatever team. And you talked about, you know, the right situation, right? You know. Listen, the
1: Blue Jackets looking for a first round pick there. And there was rumblings that Edmonton could be that team. And you wonder, do they trust Mike Smith to be the guy when they're clearly looking to go deep with McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent, Hopkins, and that core? Yep. You know, they don't need another first round next because that's going to put a lot of pressure on them. Oh, yeah. So if they decide that they need to address goaltending. Yeah, exactly. Listen, there's there's a, there's an opportunity there. And if the Blue Jackets, you know, if they're looking for a first round pick, if they can land another first round pick somehow to give them three in what many are calling a more loaded top of the 22 draft.
0: Yeah. yeah and and that's potential. And then, of course, there's the situations with guys like Line A and Domi. We'll see what happens with yep. their future. So it's lots of.
1: That's it. That's it. You now, you know, uh, those guys could, legit if, if this season goes off the rails and they say, oh, you know, well, let's explore the market on Line A, they could easily get stuff. I mean, oh, yeah. think about um, <laughs> what he could do. You put him on a contender, put that shot on a contender they better get paid a premium if they're going to deal him and, and he's still going to be a restricted free agent actor. So it's team control on top of that. So that'll be interesting to watch develop to see if he's going to be a part of their future. And then if not, seeing who steps up with the right kind of offer that makes sense for the Blue Jackets because Jarmo Kekalainen has over and over again proven and a lot of people thought oh they're going to lose the Seth Jones trade because you know giving up Jones a good player like that is going to be hard to overcome they got Adam Boquist they got moved up 20 spots in this past draft and they have a first next year that's pretty pretty good work for losing a legit number one defenseman.
0: Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. And and Seth Jones is in his prime right now. Whereas yep. you have a yeah. So uh, going back to the centers, that was my next thing. I was going to obviously bring yeah. up with you too. So I was going to ask you, who do you think will center Line A and Voracek? Assuming, of course, it's not Cole Sillinger because I don't expect him to be doing that right away, and I don't even Boy. know if he'll be on the team obviously right away. But Jack Roslovic, you mentioned it. Um, I think you were well. I know Jack Roslovic has been working on his defensive game this past mm-hmm. summer so who do you think will ultimately end up at least on opening night centering line a and voracek
1: i i think it's Rosslovic. Yeah. um yeah. I, if they had other options sure um i suppose there's always a chance they could throw Texier in there if he proves something but he hasn't really bounced this year the way in, in the preseason or stood out in the way i was hoping that he would so far but Rosslovic, listen you know i think a lot of people forget as part of that line A trade, you know, some people are like, isn't it actually the Roslovic trade? Because Roslevic actually had some numbers last year. Yeah. He can play offense. He's a skater. It's just learning the intricacies of the center ice position, doing faceoffs, the defensive responsibilities. There's just so much that comes in, especially when you're learning it and trying to be a top six center. It just, it felt overwhelming. So he took time working with Mark Latestu to try to be able to get that. Will he be able to bridge the whole gap in one offseason? I'm not sure that that's possible, but I'm sure that he could make some strides. And, you know, there's certainly, um you know, the only thing I worry about with a trio like that is defensively. You know, offensively, they could, you know, maybe fill the net and look good doing it. But boy, Voracek, Liney, and Roslevic doesn't exactly scream um, defense when you think about it. So it just kind of makes you wonder, what are they thinking there? Can they get somebody to maybe stabilize that a little bit more? Or maybe do they keep Lyon and Voracek on different lines? That's a decision that the coaching staff has to make too. So while it sounds good on paper to put the two of them together, you know, Larson always says chemistry is a funny thing. And, and until he sees it, that's true. You know, they'll go with what they feel like is going to be the best. So... Maybe it goes with Rosovic at the start. Maybe Max Domi when he gets ready and he's re- um, healthy. There could be a possibility there, but it's so tricky to gauge the lines right now because they're still trying to evaluate. Um, I think we get hints little by little as we get closer, but to say anything definitively 100% right now, yeah, that's foolish.
0: Exactly, yeah, yeah. It's always funny with chemistry. You just never know. There's a lot of potential upside, but until you see it mm-hmm. play out, you just never know. So it'll be very interesting yep. to see. And also, I think I don't know. If, I don't know if this is 100, but I I just feel very good about Igor. I don't know if it's chinikov or Chino- Chinakov. Chinnikov. Chino- Chino- I've been saying Chinnikov. Yeah. So I've been saying. I think I've been saying Chinnikov. So I've seen that's been a topic lately too about how do you say his last name. But either way. I ex- yeah. I think he's going to be on the team opening night. Do you agree with that? I
1: think Chinokhoff will make this team. Um, now, he's in the NHL group. He's certainly in the conversation. I expect him to play a couple more times to kind of make a final impression. But I think everyone looks at the shot. But he's a really good playmaker, and he's pretty responsible, at least in the early going so far, and being in the right spot defensively too. So I think that if there's any of those younger players that get in, it's him. I'm just, I'm back and forth on cylinder. Like I see Uh, why they're giving him the look, Yeah. but man, no, no 18 year old since I believe David Perron, if I recall correctly, has made a team under Kekalainen and no blue jacket, 18 year old has made it under Kekalainen's watch. So he's getting every opportunity to develop and to play with these guys and stuff like that. But do you really want him playing in this season where it's going to be a crazy transition? They have to decide that. And if they do decide that it's him, it'll be different from what Kekeleinen has done. So I'm leaning at least right now, because he can go back to the WHL or he can go to the AHL as well. Why not put him in a position where he can still develop, put him in a position to succeed and then he can come
0: in next year just ready to dominate. Right. Yeah, I was actually that was my next question. I was going to say with Sillinger, do you think that he could at least make a debut later on this season or
1: He could get the 9 games, you know, yeah. that if they keep him the start, um they could elect to keep him for up to 9 games to see how he would do and then he can be assigned down to one of those um do the AHL or the WHL after that without burning a year of his eligibility. So Right there is a chance that he could stay for that. And there's certainly a chance um, depending on where he ends up, you know, if the playoffs are over or whatnot, the end of the year comes around one of those call-ups, he could show up there too. If things are out of whack and they're out of playoff um, contention, Yeah, you know, never say never on that either. So there's still a lot of possibility there. It's just knowing Keck Alliance track record, it would be a change if he made it. So he has to actually show me that he's going to, go away from that before I say that
0: he makes it. Yeah. So can the power play get going with the Boquist effect? I know you've been writing about that. Yes.
1: (laughs) Just (laughs) if you, if you look at the way that he hand news, just it's a small sample size. So warning on that, but think, think back to the power play the last few years. Yep. How awful did it look more often than not? Yeah. It looked awful. There was no puck movement, no creativity, so Boquist on the ice, there's creativity, there was puck movement, players were dangerous. That's where the Blue Jackets have been desperately missing puck movers and playmakers. And so that is the Boquist effect, because I've always been, I, I've watched him since back in his days with London. I, I loved his game then, offensively. He's got to learn the defensive end, that happens with all young defensemen. But, man, he's got some interesting comparisons out there, comparables out there, Eric Carlson being one of them, and you know how good he was in his prime um, with Ottawa as an offensive defenseman. If he can get anywhere near that level, that'll certainly put make the Blue Jackets more dangerous, and that's why I do think the power play will be better. I mean, they're pretty awful as it was, but you add Voracek who can make plays, You you add... Boquist who can get the puck to the right place will probably be in power play too with Voronsky being on the top they should move up and if they don't then, then you really got to ask okay what is it really exactly I mean, the, the opportunity is there time to go out and prove it
0: yeah it's almost like it, there's nowhere to go but up but you also want to see a significant no. improvement there not just be 25th Angle. or something so yeah exactly And then you wrote about this, and I thought this was very interesting talking about Mm -hmm. ending the blackouts because this affects me personally. I'm writing. I'm supposed to do the recap for the Canon Wednesday, and I already said I probably won't be able to watch this game. But luckily, it's just preseason. I can do a light recap. I can get you know find tweets and just write out whatever observations I can find. Not a huge deal, but it raises Mm -hmm. a good point just in general with sports and and the NHL with blackouts. And I mean. I get why they have them, I guess. But you're right. With preseason, you're trying to grow the game. I thought that was a great point. You're trying to grow the game. You're really just restricting mm-hmm. fan bases when you can't even watch the team.
1: There's rules. I know there are. I don't like the rules, but they're out there. And that's just it. You you mentioned it. Why not grow the game? They're a fan. They said, if you're in Phoenix, if you're in Richmond, Virginia, and you want to watch the Columbus Blue Jackets right now, I'm looking at it on NHL.com it doesn't look like that there's a tv feed which means it's going to go to online and when it's online they territorially restrict that to their market and then detroit will actually be subject to watching columbus's feed probably on the website as well like why are we doing the 2021 will why are we doing this still like as a general hockey fan I want to have options. I want to be able to watch prospects. I want to be able to see how they do against um, other players and stuff like that. I understand in the regular season, um, you know, you're protecting the local um, TV market because they're obviously looking for viewership and there's business interests and stuff like that. You negotiate that out. Okay. That at least is understandable, but we're talking about freaking exhibition games here. In my right mind, I just don't see any good reason for it. Like the the time is now to change the rules here. And ultimately everyone's always looking for a benefit. The fans would benefit. I think the league would benefit from more viewership. This to me is a win-win situation. So not that the league is going to listen to anything I have to say, but my God, it it just, it seems like an easy decision to, you know, to do something like that for exhibition games, do what you got to do in the playoffs and in the regular season. But come on guys let's be better yeah
0: yeah so at least uh the regular season i'll be able to watch that but uh it's you know and we'll end on this so give me your biggest predictions for the club this year or even nhl predictions that you might have just something wild or crazy Mm -hmm. or whatever
1: Oh, oh how spicy do you want whatever you got oh all right so we'll start with a little bit spicy and then we'll go with extreme spicy nice So a little bit spicy. I actually think Elvis Merzlikins gets Vesna votes. Okay. So we'll start with kind of on a scale of one to five. That's a two. I actually think that he has a lot to prove, and I think that the team is going to be a little bit better, especially at the beginning, if he can just get on that role. Especially if he knows he's the number one guy and gets in a groove. I think that'll ultimately be a big thing for the team. I'm not saying he's going to be a Vesna finalist, but I think that his play at times will certainly say, oh, okay, you know, why are the Blue Jackets doing well at Spurs? So it's because this goaltender is stopping everything thrown at him. So on a two, on a two to five, I think Mersley can get some Vesna votes. Um, so let's see, three out of five. So I think that the leading goal scorer on the team, so it won't be surprising who I think it'll end up being, i th- I still think that it'll be line a, but I do think that he's gonna get to forty
0: mm, nice, yes, he's
1: got so. a lot to prove and board check one and... year prove it deal, yeah yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: love it so i think I think that you know the, the, it's a little bit bolder, so three out of five for that one um around the league, so I always like to look at the teams that a lot of people are saying, oh, they're kind of the trendy pick and stuff like that. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. So let's go four out of five. I wonder if if the Avs somehow struggle at the beginning of this year that they look at a coaching change.
0: Mm, that'd be interesting. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You never know. Be,
1: but Because you know that the expectations are super, super high there. Yeah. Like right. it's a cup or bust. McKinnon has to be signed in a couple years. I think Bednar's done a great job and it's not really a reflection of him, but I'm just saying that if the avalanche for some reason, you know, because they have Darcy Kemper now, a little bit injury prone. So, you know, whatever the case, if they struggle, you just know that they're not going, the 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 leash is kind of tight there. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anything happens to Bednar, but I'm just saying if they yeah. struggle, yeah. I just wonder if they take a look at kind of an extreme move, something like that. So that, so that leaves my most spiciest one to date yet. Based on what everybody is talking about. Imagine a world where it's New York Rangers make the playoffs this year. Cause I think a lot of people look at Washington. A lot of people are looking at the Islanders making a, a serious cup run. Let's couple that with the Penguins missing the playoffs. Okay. I like that. So there's my five out of five. I think the Rangers are in, the Penguins are out. Because you have Malkin out for a couple months. Crosby's going to miss the beginning of the year because he had the wrist surgery. He's out for six weeks. Could be back end of October, beginning of November. So former Blue Jacket legend Jeff Carter is their number one center, Will.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and
1: he's kind of up there, so... (laughs) And do they believe in Tristan Jari, too? Oh, yeah. So there's legitimate questions on the Penguins where if they have a bad enough start to the year and then have to endure everything after that, they may make the playoffs, but they might be squeaking or they might miss out completely. Like that group is not getting any younger. Um, And then the Rangers are just, man, Shesterkin, I'm a big believer in him. Lafreniere is there. Kako is there. They, they, they have some really interesting talent. If they could figure out the defense. I could see a path to the playoffs for them.
0: I was talking with a Rangers well fan, but he has his own podcast as well. But anyway, yeah. he, he said Rangers got to make the playoffs this year. He said the rebuild has been nice. They're trending up, but he said it's time to see results. So I think... Uh, yeah. and. I don't know. I, I'm glad that John Davidson thing worked out in Columbus's favor because mm-hmm. I was just very surprised with all that. But, anyways, I like yeah. the Blue Jackets with da- with Davidson, and it's crazy. He's been there. I mean, except for the last couple of seasons, he's had he's gotten kind of a long tenure in Columbus to this point overall. So definitely. It goes and, back and here's a the thing
1: too. Listen, they he he had many offers. He could have went yeah. a number of different ways after the Rangers, yep. and he has reiterated. That he just wanted to come back here yeah that should excite blue jackets fans that a living legend let's face it broadcasting wise management wise he's he's hockey royalty and he wants to make himself at home in columbus
0: yeah yeah and i'm excited again for their future and it's gonna get started here very soon and uh mark that's all i've got you gave me a ton of gems gold uh, hmm. really awesome to have you on. At Mark yeah. on Twitter, check him out. The hockey writers, check him out on Twitter. Great stuff. Thanks for always indulging my my silliness, my banter, and whatever. It's always fun. So,
1: silliness is always welcome in my world, and it's a pleasure doing it with you. Really enjoyed the time. Will appreciate it.